Acts 22, verse 22. They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he could find out the reason why they were shouting against him that way. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, what are you about to do for this man is a Roman? The commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, yes. The commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to go to examine him immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. But on the next day, wishing to know for certain why he had been accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down and set him before them. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. The high priest, Ananias, commanded those standing beside him to strike Paul on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. But perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out in the council, brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit. But the Pharisees acknowledged them all. And there occurred a great uproar. And some of the scribes of the Pharisees said, stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, we find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or angel has spoken to him. And as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. This is the word of the Lord. Well, welcome to worship today. A new format. How are you feeling about it? <laughs> so far, so good, right? Like, we haven't messed anything up too much. You know, we're, we're here, we're alive, we're breathing. As we look at today's text, I want us to focus on Paul and his emotion and his state. I also want us to reflect, sort of prepare for our group time. 
but reflecting on our own emotion and state. Maybe there's something here that's making you feel happy, joyful, right? You've just come into worship, you love the singing, you love gathering. Maybe there's something that's making you feel anxious, sad, scared. A work situation, a family, a relationship. Maybe this new format. I'll be honest, I'm a little anxious. I'm a little nervous. Coming here, I was texting Andy. He's praying for me, right? Part of that is just because I care about all of you, and I want this to go well. I want us to be a fruitful time. And so we're all coming with something, and the question is, what are we going to do with it? Is God going to be at work in our emotions, in our state? And as we look at Paul, I think we see God at work in his emotions and his state. What I love about this passage today is that it shows Paul's humanity. And sometimes we forget, like I, I've just been sort of meditating on Paul this week, thinking about him, just being like, he just seems so like intense. <laughs> He's so intense and he just seems right all the time. I don't think I would want him in my church. <laughs> and we're just going to come and learn from his story. But I think today's text actually shows us that Paul wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be here, that you'd be present, that you'd be among your people, that you would work in this new format change. Lord, all we want to see is fruit. We want to encounter you. We want to, you know, be those uh, branches clean to the vine. I pray that today would help us do that. Today would help us get real with each other, real with you, that you would enter into our emotions and our state. In Jesus' name, amen. Andy, I'm going to ask you to give me like a two-minute warning. Uh, I think I'm like halfway there already if I'm looking at the clock. No, I have until what, 1040-ish? No, that's all right. We started a little late. Okay. Okay, give you a little grace. That's great. Awesome, awesome. We love grace here. All right, so let's look at this passage. All right, what's happening? Let's, let's, let's talk about the context of this passage because we talked about Acts like all the way back in, I think it was June, May or June. Right? I posted the, the last sermon and it was, it was a long time ago. So we've been out of this book for a while. The book of Acts, right, we've been in sort of the series called Outward Church is about the outward expansion of the gospel, Right? The very beginning, Jesus commands his disciples, right? You're gonna, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and then you're going to be filled, and then the gospel's going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So if we were to go back today and like, uh, uh, to, to kind of play all of the sermons on like that really fast like snapshot on your iPhone that just goes super quick, you're just sort of seeing it play by, we would see that sort of expansion happen. And we would see the gospel starting in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, anoints the people, Peter preaches, like the tongues of fire, and thousands of people begin to come to Christ. And Jerusalem becomes this place of worship, 
of community, of sharing, of getting real with one another. It's like this almost sort of idyllic church situation. But then as you read along and you read the story, you realize there are some problems. There are some problems in Jerusalem that people don't like the Christians. Right? And there, this persecution begins to happen. And then we see the stoning of the martyrdom of the very first Christian, Stephen. And that is like this, this throwing a a stone into a pond, just this like ripple effect where the gospel begins to spread outward. Gospels, like people scatter, right? Like a crowd. They just scatter and they take the gospel and begins to go to Samaria or Judea. So you begin to see like the, the, the outlying region and then it, the gospel goes to Samaria, right? People that weren't so uh, close to those in Jerusalem, to the Jews. And then it goes to the ends of the earth. We see Paul's three missionary journeys, right? And we, we went through those. As he, he goes up to sort of Asia, modern-day Turkey, and he comes back to Jerusalem, and then he goes a little bit further, and then he comes back, and then he goes a little bit further, and he comes back. And that's where we find ourselves in the story. He has come back to Jerusalem. He knows that the people don't like him there. The opposition party is very strong. He, the, the local church encourages him to take extra precautions, like you know, uh, go through this sort of ritual, he does it, but then he goes to the temple, and then this sort of accusation, riot, mini-riot erupts. He is taken into the custody of the Roman tribune, and he is about to be flogged. (laughs) And that's where we come to in our story. And if I were Paul in this story, I'd be thinking, man, like, Look at all I've done. <laughs> I just took the gospel to the entire world. I don't deserve to be treated like this. Why aren't my brethren, the Jews, coming to faith in the Messiah and Jesus? And we actually see, if you read the book of Romans, I've been reading Romans, uh, we see him wrestling with that. Why aren't my, my brethren coming to faith in the Messiah? And yet God sort of works in this situation, works in this very upsetting situation where he's about to be stretched out and flogged. Like their, their, their questioning was not nice under the Roman government, right? You could be flogged. That's like what Jesus went through. Whipped, sort of tortured to find out what the truth was. And in this moment, God meets Paul God works through Paul. He exerts his Roman citizenship. Roman citizenship gave him certain rights and privileges that he couldn't be flogged like that. He couldn't be mistreated. And though he doesn't just exert his rights just to get off the hook, he exerts his rights for the sake of the gospel so that he can preach the gospel. He doesn't react, he responds. The, the, the centurion takes this news to the, the, the one in charge, the tribune. A centurion's over about 100 people. A tribune's over about 1,000, kind of the, the top dog in Jerusalem. They come down, they question him, and they're, very, they're afraid when they find out he's a Roman citizen because to, to unduly flog someone, bind someone who was a Roman citizen, could, like that, that punishment could be brought on you and on your head. So the next day they bring him to the council, the Jewish leaders, the chief priests. And we wonder, what's God going to do here? How is God going to meet Paul in his state 
and his emotions. How is God going to work? Paul did pretty good yesterday. He just responded. Do you ever have a situation where you're like, man, today was a good day. You know, my kids were going a little crazy, and I was just like the perfect father. Like, took deep breaths. They took deep breaths. We all took deep breaths together. And then the next day, you just lose it. Right? They do the, the exact same thing or something even less. And you're like, ah! And they're like, ah! It's amazing how you, like, ramp each other up. And here in this passage, right, Paul had a good day. And the next day, he has questionable day. He's unbound. He's commanded to meet with the chief priests. And he addresses them, looking intently at the council. Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And that's all it takes. And the high priest Ananias orders him to be slapped. Paul's not having a great day. Ananias is not the same chief priest that condemned Jesus just look at the timeline, a different guy, not a, not a good guy, a crook. I believe he came to a very uh, sort of untimely demise as well. Paul is struck in the mouth, and he just reacts. He just flips out. Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? And so he sort of calls down God's condemnation. Even in his own emotions, he doesn't curse him himself. He says, God's going to judge you. So this is all true. But he does sort of misspeak against the high priest. Those who stood by said, would you revile God's high priest? Paul says, I didn't know, my brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. So he's struck, and he says, how dare you? You're disobeying God's law. You're like a whitewashed wall. Right? Have, ever, have any of you ever had like a, a home improvement project where you're just like, let's just paint over it. <laughs> let's just paint over it. Mold, let's just paint over it. You know, the paint's peeling. Let's just paint over it. How does that usually go? Not great. <laughs> usually you have to do it again, or it doesn't last only a couple years. Certainly dealing with that myself. Not a nice thing to say, right? You're an ugly wall on the inside. I mean, you cover yourself with these high priest garments. Paul didn't recognize him to be a high priest. We don't know why Paul didn't recognize that he was a high priest. Maybe it was his eyesight. Apparently, he might have had bad eyesight. It might have been the high priest was, I don't know, wearing something different. We just don't know. But we do know that Paul and his humanity just says, sorry, I shouldn't have spoken evil of a ruler. I should respect this authority. God is at work even in Paul's mistakes, even in Paul's humanity, even in Paul's state and emotions. And God is at work in your life, in your emotions and state. And he likes to share this sachet. Sachet is like a little potpourri thing, you know, and I have a, probably a very different reaction to a potpourri bag than other people. I'm not a huge fan of them. Maybe I feel a little angry or scared when I smell them, right? So that's one way to remember this. Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Tender's not a word I use very often, so I've begun to use that more as part of this process. We're going to be using this acronym just to kind of talk through and share a little bit at the beginning of our 
breakup sessions, breakout sessions. You don't have to use one of these. This is just to kind of get your, this is just a tool to get our minds thinking. Right, right now I think Paul might have been scared. Clearly he was a little angry. Maybe a little worried he was going to get tenderized. You guys get that? Okay, no. God works. God moves in Paul, and Paul says, I'm on trial for the resurrection. Oh, man. It's like the Holy Spirit fills him, and he says the right thing. And then God messes with everyone else's emotions, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They would have known that Paul was baiting them, and still they fell for it. The Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection, nor angels, nor spirits, and the Pharisees did believe in a resurrection. And so they began to argue and debate, and a great clamor arose, and they contended sharply. It wasn't a nice conversation. It was heated. It was intense. They were afraid that Paul was going to be torn to pieces. And so the soldiers came back, and they got him. It's ironic that you know, Paul, if you remember right, his conversion on the road to Damascus, one man, a small band, was going to go and, like, arrest the Christians in Damascus, right? And that has been flipped in some ways. Where now he's the one who's coming and bringing the gospel, and the crowd is turning upon him. He's the one who rejected Jesus, the one who was flogged, and now because of his acceptance of Christ, he is a was about to be flogged and could be torn to pieces. And I find great hope in that because to me it, it seems to say that Jesus knows what Paul is going through. Jesus is walking through this situation with Paul. Jesus is fully aware of what is going on. And what does Jesus do? Jesus appears to Paul and says, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. Jesus gives Paul the right emotion, (laughs) courage, hope. Jesus doesn't say everything's going to be (laughs) hunky-dory. He says, take courage, you're going to do this. And so now as we divide into our groups, as we go to a time of reflect, I hope that you'll be willing to kind of share a little bit. And if you're not ready yet, that's okay. You don't have to. You can be silent the entire time. But for the rest of us, for all of us, I hope that we'll just enter into each other's emotions and state. We won't try to fix one another. We won't try to sort of make everyone walk out feeling happy. That's not the goal. The goal is just to see what God's going to do, to be present for God to work. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this time together would be fruitful and beneficial that we would grow in greater love for you, and that we would grow in greater love for each other. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.